Welcome to the first official episode of the Performance Advantage podcast with myself, Dr. Will O'Connor, and Dr. Matthew Miller from MTB PhD. Matthew, how are you doing? Yep, pretty good, thanks. <laughs> cool. Thanks for having me. And uh, Mark Leishman, aka Kevin, uh, has asked us about cross training. Oh, so first episode, first shout out. Yeah. yeah. Normally you build into the shout outs. Yeah. Well, I guess we've sort of had a lead in from, from some of our previous yeah, live right. stuff. Uh, cross training. I think this is going to be a debate, to be honest. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, when we talk about cross you know training, you're into the yeah. gym and I'm not. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, maybe um, what we'll need to do is like go over there and change your mind, if you know <laughs> what I mean. <laughs> no, I don't like the gym. Yeah, but you used to like the gym. Maybe you're just yeah. No, I did. This is pre uh, pre endurance. Will O'Connor uh, rugby and gym was definitely my game. Uh, pu- pushing the mass gainer, uh, I definitely enjoyed that. Got up to about eighty five kgs there, Matthew. Okay. It was okay. Yeah. Um, that sounds pretty big for you. Yeah, it's about ten kgs heavier than I am now. I've got. Mm-hmm. I found some photos the other day. It's it's pretty mm-hmm. crazy how your body changes. Yeah. Anyway, Matt, why are you um, pro gym if we're talking about uh, cross training? Um. Well, there's lots of reasons why I'm pro strength training. Um. And, uh, you know, the main reason is because, um, when you do like a really, really hard, heavy lift, um, you're creating these new neuromuscular junctions to these muscle fibers you already have. So these muscle fibers are already there. Say if you're doing a squat, you have all these muscle fibers and a lot of them you're not actually using. You're just kind of using the ones that you're using to bike or run. And there's some other ones in there that aren't being used. When you do a big heavy lift, the, one of the very first adaptations that happens from strength training is you get these new n- neural pathways to use these muscles. And that's really good if you're trying to pr- produce more power or run yeah. faster or bike Why harder. would you not just do that on the bike or, or running or whatever? Why are you specifically needing the gym for that? Well, because doing a one rep max or a five rep max squat is way different than, you know, jogging up a hill or pushing a big gear. I consider those endurance training. Um, and strength training is just a, just a different thing that you can't do while you're doing endurance training, in my okay. opinion. So then if we, you can't do it on the bike, right? That's sort of understandable because it's not load bearing. You can't exert enough force uh in order to recruit that large amount of of muscle so my argument would be well then are you just because you train those muscles under load under weight like doing a squat how does that translate into you being able to use them on the bike if you couldn't do that work on the bike anyway that's a pretty good point um I don't really have an argument against that one. That's, that's a pretty good one. But, you know, like it, if you need to do a massive, massive sprint or you need to start to produce more power, 
um, just having those muscle fibers, you know, there and ready to use um, where they weren't before. Um, because, you, you know, if you want adaptation, you need to push beyond what you, you're currently doing. And, you know, if your threshold's at, um, you know, 300 watts, by riding at 320 watts isn't going to make you create new neural pathways necessarily. It yeah. will up to a certain point. Um, and, you know, we see hypertrophy, which is the building of muscles that happens in endurance athletes. It's not just for people who spend time strength training. Um, okay. so, but then it kind yeah. of stops because you're using type 1 muscle fibers right yeah predominantly so yes. we want to use those type 2 muscle fibers yeah or type type 2 type 2 type, type 2 is generally what so when we say type 1 we're talking about aerobic slow twitch um then we'd say type 2 we're talking about fast glycolytic fibers which are predominantly high force very inefficient fibers um and then there's sort of this type 2x which can be uh i guess molded into the type of fiber you would you most need it to be um so that's the if you keep training long slow miles they'll probably get very mitochondrial dense and become very efficient create a burning fat utilizing ox oxygen if you're just smashing tin in the gym then uh they're probably just going to build on themselves um, and remain relatively inefficient um so we also produce a lot of force Yes, lots of force. Right. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and and that's that's the that's the juggling act, right? Where if I was to use gym um, for endurance, the way I would the way I tried to use it for myself was during the build up to my first ultra marathon. I thought, okay, the main gains I need to make are under load, because it's not the running the forty to fifty k's that's a problem for me. It's the running eighty to one hundred k's. Um, and you can't do that in training otherwise you, well not, not that you can't do it in training but you're most probably not going to um, because you'll just wreck yourself so I figured that putting a large amount of weight on my back and squatting it would then recruit those muscles that otherwise I would have to run for five hours to rely on if that makes sense yeah spatial recruitment principle um, you know that I don't know that one. I should because I taught muscle mechanics postgrads <laughs> last year. I just don't, I don't think we covered that. So I don't remember really? it. Really? The spatial recruitment is essentially like the greater the force, the greater the uh, recruitment of muscle fibers. So when you're walking, you recruit, you recruit, if you had a hundred units of muscle, you would recruit the same number one to 20. Every time you get out the door, one to 20, one to 20. So if you never overload, you never go one to 25. And as number one to five start to fatigue, you start to then rely on number 20 to 25. And then if you started to run, so you went from a walk to a run, you now start to recruit numbers 20 to 50. And so that spatial recruitment is the same recruitment pattern every single time until the point where you recruit the fiber number 100. Now, doing aerobic exercise, you're, you're never going to get to that point, um, whether that's uh, absolutely necessary is arguable but if you can at least train those fiber types uh number 50 to 70 say that which i would hypothesize is around a type 2x uh if you can convert those to more aerobic but still high force based fibers um then you should be able to generate 
a lot of force. So ride at a high power, swim at a fast pace, run at a fast pace, but still do it relatively aerobically. Yep. Uh, there you go. There's a quick refresher on your course. That you there you go. Have. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I, need, I needed that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I see what you're saying. So um, look, I'd so have you... to refresh it myself, but that yeah. is the fundamental principle behind it. Right. But you're saying it didn't work for you. Is that what kind of what you're telling me? No, I'm not going to say it didn't work. I'm saying okay. I didn't like it. Uh, and okay. I, didn't, I didn't like, I wasn't notice like this dramatic improvement. Now in swimming, that's a different story. Uh, because you cannot apply enough force on the water. The water as a medium is not dense enough and there's no gravity whatsoever. Uh, so to in order to overload your muscles to generate force, it's like, it's like impossible. Um, so I did notice when I tried gym, gym for swimming, I, I definitely got a lot of improvement, not a lot of improvement, but an increased amount. But then when I think about uh, cross training, I'm like, geez, we're already trying to train for one sport. Why do we need to throw everything else in? Yeah, well, gym's only one thing that you can do. And I don't like to call it gym. I like to call it strength training because gym is something that someone says when they don't do it. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, no, the gym. Not the gym. Yeah. 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 Like, What's I possible? go to the gym, I run on the treadmill. Yeah. Well, they have TVs now, so that's pretty good. Yeah. And magazines. Yeah. Get on the recumbent bike. Is that what you guys do at the gym? Yeah, pretty much. Recumbent yeah. cycling. That's yeah. like cross yeah. training, right? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I'll tell you my favorite workout to do in the gym is um, potentiated plyometrics, where we'll do something like, a really really heavy squat two times and then yeah. immediately when we rack that that the barbell we'll turn around and we'll do two really quick plyometrics and even though you're only doing four movements that that's just a, an amazing exercise that's one set and we'll do like three or three to five sets and that's so a pretty, what do you pretty good you, session what, why are you doing that well because what we want to improve is power right and power is something that that's plyometrics where we're producing a lot of force really really quickly Right. So, but you know, what we can do is something called potentiation where we kind of, we prime these muscle fibers and have them ready to go to do this really, really powerful movement. And we do that by doing something like a really heavy squat before doing the plyometrics. Yes. Right. So post-activation muscle potentiation is well documented in the literature. So that's yeah. sort of like, it definitely works. Um, so you definitely do that in the gym, eh? But no, I don't go to the gym. Oh, okay. Okay. So what do you do for cross training then? Well, that's a hard one. So at the moment, I'm predominantly focused on running and uh, marathon and up. Uh, currently training for, so I've got a marathon in 10 weeks. I'm doing mountain biking for my cross training. Okay. Um, so when, especially with running and single sports, I'll try to get athletes to incorporate something else because otherwise depending on their time availability it allows for running especially you can only do so much because of the loading before you inevitably get injured but like 10 hours of running is is a lot of running but then it's not a huge amount of time across a week uh so like myself i can train probably around 15 hours like just available time and energy wise so that um means i get out on the bike the mountain bike a bit 
one because I enjoy it two it helps uh, energy expenditure and weight maintenance and then three it's it's specific uh, cardiovascularly aerobically and also has some uh, like um, eccentric loading in there yeah it does yeah 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 uh, and then with triathletes there's no time there's no time to to try and you pretty much are a cross trainer yeah you're a cross trainer you're like a yeah. professional exerciser yeah uh so with that um yeah cross training not not so much like we would put in some band work or muscle activation work but nothing uh nothing specific yeah are you choosing to do something completely different at all like uh stand up paddleboarding i've never tried i don't honestly i don't touch anything near the water so yeah like that's just like now someone else can do that if someone's interested in it, then they can keep doing it. But um, yeah, uh, I'm not really sure. Since I've never done it, I can't quite think of how the muscles would kind of work. I'm sure there's. I just use that as an example. Like, what are you? Yeah. What are you doing? Um, I think like so. If if I'm working with a mountain biker, I think um, like I don't consider road cycling to be cross training because that's pretty much what they're doing is they're training to be better at pedaling usually. Yeah. Um, so I've, you know, I consider strength training and road cycling to be just pretty much part of what mountain bikers need to be doing all the time. But, um, some different things that they can be doing would be, um, like hiking or, um, you know, just straight up walking and, um, you know, a little bit of running, but you need to be careful with running if you're not used to it. Ah, uh, yeah. Running is just, just the worst <laughs> kind of sport to uh to get in um to start at like once you have built up your your tolerance um your lower limb tolerance to to training loads then it's not so bad trail running again is not not as bad there come some sort of risk there but uh running like i would i would not recommend cyclists do running they all try and do it all the roadies try and you know that they're having their time off and yeah uh, uh. and after one day you feel like the fat bastard from Austin Powers. So yeah, that like they'll do like these twenty k runs just straight off the bat. Yeah, yeah, first run back. Yeah, yeah. Like the next week, and they're like, oh yeah, it's a good break. Yeah, yeah. Ready to get back into training now. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. you're not. You need Fresh to like rest. Legs for yeah <laughs> for the last five days. Um, yeah. So. So yeah, not with road cyclists. But then if we if we go down to down not sorry across to your more everyday athlete um often they think that that gym gym strength training uh is is quite important what would you these people generally have uh you know their time isn't as flexible as is yours matthew um they they may have that's true they may have Mm -hmm. a fixed nine to five or some other kind of work structure and then they have that just the other general stresses of yeah of time stress so and i think it's they, good for they them. want to they want to run um a half marathon to marathon what are you recommending well i think if someone has really limited time i think if they do strength training one of the things that they can do on the times when you know they need to be taking a break from their aerobic exercise is that they can be you know, maintaining energy expenditure at a really high level. 
mm-hmm. um, you know, by just switching the muscle groups that they're using. You know, so for a runner who, you know, maybe they really need to lose weight, but they can't run every day, you know, maybe then on the days that they can't run, they could be doing like a really, really hard upper body workout. And they're not going to, you know, have huge increases in mass in their upper body by doing a really hard upper body workout, especially if their main focus is running because um, they're just not going to be able to build the mass, really. How does Um, that work with the aerobic development and the stress? Like that's that's a reasonable amount of of like physical stress, like a hard gym workout. Strength, strength, strength. Workout. Yeah, strength, strength training. Yeah, yeah, it would be like I wouldn't like add in like uh, if someone's trying to get better at running, they can't run a whole lot because they just actually can't handle it. I wouldn't really add in any like lower body strength training. Yeah. Um, on top of running, maybe in addition, like instead of some running workouts, maybe, um, you know, especially if they can only run like 30 minutes before they kind of crack, you know, if you know, they can only run 30 minutes a day, uh, for a week, you know, maybe what we need to do is have them do a really big gym session where they'll have massive energy expenditure in, you know, the same amount of time. Yeah. Well with running, um, and energy expenditure along these lines, I think we could broach the subject is weight. Like, endurance sport is, is power to weight like essentially the lighter you can be without losing muscle um the more efficient you're going to be the faster you're going to go uh running is a huge huge one for that because of the weight bearing nature of it um so yeah you want to what kind of workouts are you going to be prescribing if you this person they they just for whatever reason due to injuries uh maybe their weight they can't just run and you've got them in the gym they definitely don't want to build muscle and probably due to the nature of them they have a predisposition to building muscle how are you going to structure it are you doing high reps low reps uh one of my favorite things to do just because um of the feeling that it gives you um is like a circuit like an upper body circuit because it's kind of aerobic um you get really sweaty um you're still moving around a lot of weight so you're still doing quite a bit of work um, so look embarrassed when you're at the gym. Yeah, like you look sweaty. You look yeah, cool, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, when you're gymming, yeah. right? So, um, you know, an, an upper body circuit's pretty good with probably like six different workouts, different muscle groups, a push-pull kind of thing for the different muscle groups, um, six exercises, back to back to back to back to back, then a short little rest, you know, something like that, and you do three sets of that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and that's pretty good. And then you can add some, uh, you know, uh, you know, something really heavy probably before that and then, you know, finish the circuit. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like that's a great way to go. And, you know, if you're using all these muscles, you know, that's quite a lot of movement um, and quite a lot of mass. Sorry. Um, can you show us those muscles again? No. Okay. Not gonna. No. I <laughs> know yeah, we miss, I miss them. Uh, yeah. 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 That's right. Yeah. Not when we're live, maybe later. yeah thanks uh right okay so you've got a a pretty harsh sort of circuit workout um within that how long is that gonna take uh you can usually bang out just the circuit in about you know 20 to 30 minutes and you know yeah like and you can do it at home right like there have some that you can do at home which is really good because you know not everyone wants to go to the gym you know yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. Uh, so just a matter of grabbing um, some 
frozen water bottles or something like filled with sand or something yeah. like that, that's going to allow at least a bit of load. Um, yeah. To be yeah. in there. Right. Yeah. Or maybe buy something, but yeah, <laughs> sand will do. Yeah. So, so what, what kind of cross training do you think's really good? Oh, look, I, I, I'm just not, unless the athlete specifically enjoys, I had, um, one athlete recently and they really enjoy CrossFit. So as you know, like CrossFit is extremely taxing on, I guess, whole adrenal system. Yeah. So trying to structure that in within an endurance program is, is quite hard, but otherwise I'm not really recommending it. I'm designing a program that I think can have them exercising aerobically more often. Um, the depends on, on the mentality of, of runners uh, or even triathletes who, who need to run, who I deal with the, the run walk. So you're getting in enough of a, a time wise durational um, a lot less distance but you're breaking the running up with small periods of, of walking. Um, so if you can get your head around it, it allows that 30 minutes of time where you would normally break down to extend into an hour with 40 to 45 minutes of total running time. Um, that's more how I go about it, unless someone specifically wants to, wants to get into the, the strength-based side of things. Okay. Yeah. So... I want can I talk about my favorite like cross training? Sure. Cuz we kind of mentioned it before and I think like just hiking and you know just walking is just great. It's just yeah, great. No, I, I 100% I try and like implement that in as well especially for for marathon runners and ultra runners like because the majority like the average time for a marathon is going to be 4 or 5 hours. And it's, it's sort of, it's a catch 22 because if you're taking that average amount of time and then in the ultra, it's going to be around 15 to 17 hours, you also aren't as well trained as the people who are taking a far less amount of time. You know, the professionals are taking two to two and a half hours and you're running the exact same race in four to five hours. Um, they obviously can bang out a very hard session in three hours, which is over what they need to achieve. But then for you to go out and try and run four or five hours every weekend, you uh, just can't, you just, you, you can't, but then yeah. when you're having to hike or tramp or whatever you, you want to call it. You're, you're generally carrying at least two to three kgs and you're the, ascending and descending which just exaggerates the load you're putting on your legs similar to what you'd have to do in the race and you get tired and sloppy and extend your your stride length and stuff and put more impact through and that's what you would have felt right that's what you felt over the oh yeah well i still feel it yeah 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 definitely but yeah like i i think it's really good because you know when i am you know talking with an athlete or you know trying to think about what kind of training we could do to improve their fitness. Um, you know, I'll, I'll kind of try and think about what's going on actually inside of the muscle. Right. And yeah. normally what we need to do, we need, we, what we want to do normally for someone doing some sort of aerobic exercise or even some sort of repeat sprint is we really want to like 
increase their mitochondrial density, you know, and that's, yeah. we do that through doing, you know, low intensity, repetitive exercise and walking's great. So even though it's like, it's different muscles, it's still enough of the same muscles and you can use them for a really, 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 really long time at a really low intensity. Um, and I think it just complements like uh, a bike training, a cycling training or a running training program. Just really, really good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's anything where we can use our lower limbs chronically is going to improve um, not only mitochondrial uh, biodensity, but also the vascularity of the, of the muscles. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Get, like this double benefit. I was just did on Sunday, I did a, a presentation on training with heart rate. Uh, and I center the training with heart rate thing around the aerobic development. And you get like this best of both worlds where you, you have this powerhouse that uses fat and oxygen, two sources that are readily available within, you know, your body in the atmosphere. And you, know, you so you get more mitochondria that's going to burn that. And then you get more blood or not only blood volume, but also blood transport to the muscle. So it's like, man, I'm utilizing more oxygen and more fat and I'm going faster. Yeah. Getting lighter. So it's just like this yeah. benefit. Um, but the walk, and that's what you want from training. It's so hard. exactly like, what you want. This, is, this goes back to that easy training versus overtraining where it doesn't feel hard enough. Yeah. Um, and that's something I want to go over because this morning, man, I did like an hour 40 and it just, I was just so unmotivated because that chronic load of training of easy training is actually really hard in itself because you don't get these large, like this one week of having to sleep in because you've just um, thrashed yourself acutely over like a couple of weeks, you know? So you just keep training and keep training. Like you get a lot fitter, but man, it's, um, it is it is hard in that nature, right? Yeah, it gets harder eventually, doesn't it? It doesn't start off really hard because you're going easy, right? It's yeah. just it catches up with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. If I'm thinking cross training, like if it's if it's doing something like that, it's that's where the strength aspect of it, with you're more interested in, I I find is is it's hard to to juggle that that load. Oh yeah. Well, you just can't do that much of it, especially if you're you, like. You know, we're talking like not a lot of strength training, like one or two days a week. Yeah. You know, and you know, that's enough a lot of the time, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah, well, like one day a week. It's like when you're on the bike, it's, it's hard to, to overload the, the, the sheer amount of training you have to do. If you're training aerobically and you're just riding a bike is, you know, 15 to 20 hours. If you want to get some really, really impressive um, gains, mm. gains yeah that's right on the, that's what we're into like, like what are your guys doing the the top end of the field um you'd, a big week will be 25 but you know that's adding in like that's that's 25 hours and some of that would be in the gym yeah yeah so and that's really hard to kind of juggle because you know that's why most of our rides are going to be easy because yeah. the gym is hard and we're doing really high volume um, so we really need to make sure that we're not overdoing it. We're doing a high volume consistently, I think, which is the point that a lot of people miss is like, it's not about trying to hit 25 now that you know, that's what the pros are doing. It's like, 
they're going to hit 25 and then go back to 20 and just sustain that. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's right. When, when you're looking at your own training plan or you're talking with your coach, you need to understand like, these are my upper limits. What are my consistent levels? Yeah, most people can't do 20 hours even if they wanted to. Yeah. Or even if they could fit it in. It didn't, didn't work out well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot. And, you know, you see it all the time. Like someone's really, really motivated and, you know, they, they're like, yep, yeah, I'm into training. And they'll start with, you know, 20 hour weeks. They'll do it for about a month and then they're just absolutely month, cooked. Probably even a bit long. Yeah, probably maybe three weeks, you know. Yeah. And then they're just cracked and they're done and they disappear and you never see them again. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is about that sustaining. So when we go back to cross training, if it's something you can add in, that's allowing for a specific development, we're always looking at specificity, when we're looking at what are you trying to achieve um, out of your athletic endeavors. Um, if it's just to lose weight, then that's something completely different. If it is to target your mountain bike race, your triathlon, then you need to be looking at the workouts you're doing if they are if they're helping that. Like if you're doing your upper body, if you're a runner and you're doing an upper body circuit, it's not to get more bigger muscles. It's more of a increase in, I guess, a bit, bit of cardiovascular stuff, but also energy expenditure. Yeah, just help you burn, help you lose a little bit more weight if that's what you need to do. Yeah. The runners don't need huge biceps. Neither do cyclists. No, I, no, how do no, go? Like, how do you how do you monitor monitor weight with them? Well, it gets Rabbit a bit. Races, right? Are you interested yeah. in body composition and things there? No, like because like so with cyclists, normally like the the gold standard is power is power to weight ratio. Yes. Um, and you know that's really important if you're racing up a hill. Um. And with, with the gravity racers, they just end up having too much muscle mass to have a really good power to weight ratio. So they'll be like your really, really good, like um, high level, you know, you know um, cross country racer, even though they're a gravity racer. Yeah. Um, but their power to weight ratios, um, just because they have so much mass, the ratio is a bit down. So yeah. we try not to really look at the, the ratio. We just kind of try and make sure that they're not too fat, really. You yeah, know, so there's not much you can do. Body composition, though, because if you look at the downhillers of of recent years, they they look in shape. They are. They're they they're machines. Art, like five years ago versus now. Yeah, they're just absolutely in shape, and that's just because you just need to be fit. You just absolutely need to be super fit. Like they're doing a lot of aerobic exercise. You know, even though they're racing three to five minutes, because they need to repeat sprints, so they need to be really aerobically efficient you know um so they get pretty lean uh, but they still do carry around a lot of extra mass so if you calculate their power to weight ratio you're going to look at them and be like well they're not going to go uphill that fast and they don't need to yeah they just need to put out really really big power yeah so what about trying to balance between i guess this is like sort of another podcast episode enduro versus downhill because those guys are biking up hills, but then need to go downhills fast. Does that provide a bit of a, a conundrum? No, not really. Because they're not racing up hills. They're just, they just kind of, they just need to do it. And they need to do it fast enough to get there in time. And, you know, it needs to create no stress for them, really. So right, that's so why they need to be... Already, 
especially these days aerobically fit enough to to sustain like the recovery bouts of those short repeated sprints in a downhill circuit so yeah. biking around the forest um or mountain or whatever for four hours yeah. like that bad yeah they just need to make sure their butts don't hurt you know really so they need to spend enough time in the saddle yeah you don't want to get to the race and have your you know tushy be sore the whole time that kind of sucks yeah well i mean i can't can't comment on it um, yeah well yeah not, not a huge enduro guy yeah myself um but i'll have to try it out to yeah be i've seen you hit jumps yeah 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 man i do love it i do love the jumps dozzy skill park rotorua it's that place is sick <laughs> getting up to them Hey, well, what else do you want to? We've been going for for a while enough. I think we've broached most of our thoughts anyway around uh, cross training. Like I think for for me, it's it's the secondary. First of all, we're going to look at can we in your available time and energy, can we train just specifically for what you need to do? And then alongside that, if we can't, I'm going to introduce cross training um, in there. And when I am, it's going to be specific. So mountain biking for, for running or increased. I mean, when we're dealing with triathlon, it's just super easy because you just go, okay, you're injured in one sport. Now you just do more of two or more. <laughs> um, and yeah, otherwise that's, that's how I, how I deal with it. And you may find like, if you slow things down or break it up, you can, you can actually, train the actual volumes you want to yeah your your main thoughts around cross training yeah so the main thing that i think about with cross training is that you know sometimes you just need a real good mental break from the thing that you're focusing on especially if you're only focusing on one sport so to have an activity that you can do that is you know beneficial to what you're training for um at you know cross training activity that's gonna you know not gonna hinder you could potentially help you for your sport and it's totally different to what you normally do, then I think just mentally, as breaking up the training, I think that's really good to have. That's actually a good point that you didn't bring up at all until right now. Yeah. Uh, that, that I never really thought of, that mental break. Yeah. Especially when you're doing a single sport, that, and you're doing like the, the predominant, like if you're in base phase before season, um, wow, that would be, yeah, that can be really taxing if you're not you know, hugely driven yeah oh and weather weather wise as well you know because if i'm working with an athlete in colorado you know sometimes they can't just go out and do a six hour bike ride i have a guy mate i'll give a shout out to uh pan american xterra champion karen mcpherson that guy has been living in colorado and is just put in i think today he's got he's about to fly back to new zealand but he's putting the six hours out on the wahoo kicker watching the baby okay yeah wow some people do it yeah <laughs> it can be done it can be done yeah. i mean you wouldn't want to take a baby on a big snowy hike so that you know he yeah. doesn't really have any options but. yeah so he's he's killing a few birds with uh with with one stone there. yeah that's right that's pretty good yeah. yeah um so yeah no that's your your 100 correct there in terms of breaking up that that mental fatigue of training, uh, which can be just as important as the physical. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I think if, unless there's anything else you want to add, Matthew. Uh, 
I could probably talk about this all day, but let's just leave it. But you know, other snow sports are cool too, and they're they're good for other reasons. We can talk about yeah, that next like time. Yeah, like snowshoeing and cross country skiing. Yeah, downhill skiing as well. Yeah. Yeah, moguls. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, we should end it up. Um, how do you want to finish? I'll let you finish. I started. Um, hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to um, the Performance Advantage podcast. Uh, Will, thanks for having me. And um, we'll see you next week. I don't know if I really have you. Like, it's, it's sort of like not going to be the same if you're not there now. Oh, uh, okay. Well, um, if you're watching it on the Performance Advantage Facebook page, be sure to check out Matt's MTB PhD page and vice versa. If you're watching it on his, check out mine. All right, until next time.